Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 117. Before we get into the interview, we wanted to quickly mention that we are having so much fun in our Facebook community. We would love if you could join us over there. Lately, we've been talking about things such as the colors of your logo and branding and what that means to you. Also, how to use Facebook and Instagram Lives and just some fun Disney chat as well. So you can find the link to that group in our show notes or search for Detour to Neverland podcast community, not Detour. Yeah, don't do that. So today we're really excited to be talking to Sasha and honestly, I want to be her someday because I think she's amazing. She has the Enchanted Archives, which you can find at EnchantedArchives.com. And she also has an Instagram and a Twitter. And her name is Her History Land. And basically, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is Sasha mixes her two passions for history because she's a historian with her love for Disneyland. So we're going to turn it over to her and let her introduce herself. There's, I have so many secrets, you guys. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, thank you so much for having me, and uh, I'm just really excited to talk to y'all about uh, our shared mutual interest in Disney. But uh, my name is Sasha. I'm a PhD student in history at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and I started the Enchanted Archives in 2017 to uh, fuse my interests in Disney and history, and it's been really fun. So if I were to choose something that you wouldn't know from my social media, I think probably that I was a pretty good golfer in high school, but like I don't, I can't afford to golf anymore. So I don't, but <laughs> I really liked it then. And my parents, I think encouraged me to do it in case I became a business person and like needed to wheel and deal on the golf course. But I really liked it. It was really fun. So <laughs> I connect with not being able to afford golf. In a <laughs> deep way. Yeah. That is so fun though. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's fun. So we'll start off just baseline, you know, what is your Disney story? And then how did that lead into you starting the Enchanted Archives? The history of the history? Yes, it's great. I love the all the layers to this. So like a lot of your guests, and I noticed this trend, my Disney story begins with my parents. So my mom grew up in Hollywood and spent a lot of time as a kid at the park. And then that just became a part of our lives growing up. I was in, um, we lived in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's not that far, Anaheim. So we would go about once per year. And my dad was, I think, into it because we were all into it and he loves us and wants to do things we like to do. Uh, but it really was my mom who was the site of memories about Disneyland. And so to participate in her memories in that way was really fun. And I've continued to do it since then. Um, I moved to Santa Barbara in 2013 to go to school. And my relationship to Disney started to shift a little bit because 
as you grow up and as you learn more things, of course, your perspective changes. And even though I was in California, I didn't go to Disney more often uh, because of my schedule, but um, I continued to go about once per year. And I started to notice because of my history training that there were a lot of opportunities to teach history at Disneyland and they weren't being taken advantage of in a way that I think would have been really interesting and cool. And so that's where the Enchanted Archives really starts. So at one point, I remember overhearing someone on the Mark Twain river ba- riverboat asking, like, who is Mark Twain and why is this riverboat called the Mark Twain? And I thought, like, how great would it be if there was an, a nice interpretive plaque there that would tell you, like, Mark Twain, born da-da-da, died da-da-da, like, famous American author, uh, worked on a steamboat as a young man, all that stuff. Uh, but of course, if I decided to do that, like run around putting up interpretive plaques, I would be arrested, probably banished from Disneyland forever. I'm sure they would not like that very much. So I decided to create a user, a mobile friendly website to do just that. So enchantedarchives.com uses the Disney park experience to teach historical lessons. And I have a library full of short entries that take an aspect of the park experience. So the Mark Twain riverboat, for example, or uh, the gumbo that you can get at the blue bayou uh, or the, the, the furry critters from Splash Mountain and gives the historical context to explain that thing. So it's not so much the history of Disney per se, and more just kind of the the historical lineage of what you can see at the parks. And it's really grown since 2017. I've taken on new uh, genres to deliver the historical information. So uh, in March, I released a 10-stop walking tour of Disneyland that tells the history of Walt Disney. And I kind of think of it as Disneyland, using Disneyland like Walt Disney's photo album and like using spots to tell the history of his life. And I'm working now on an audio tour of that, which has been really interesting. I don't really love the sound of my own voice, but um, here I am talking to you on this podcast and uh, sound editing my own uh, audio tour. So it's been really great and I don't really know what's next, but so far so good. So the key is that you have to do a podcast like this where when I'm editing, I can just skip over my own voice. So I just hear our guest (laughs) voice and Catherine's voice. I never hear a single word that I say. So that's the key. That's the move. I love it. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I can honestly say EnchantedArchives.com, it's in my bookmarks now. It's probably one of my favorite sites on the entire internet so i'm so like i'm i'm fanboying a little bit honestly (laughs) like i love the site i love reading it because like it is so in depth and shows connections that i never would have put together on my own i mean like learning the history of gumbo is never a library entry that i thought that i would be reading but it is so interesting to learn about how it then ties into everything and, and Walt's love for New Orleans and, and that culinary scene and everything. So, I mean, I can't speak highly of it enough, but what does that research process look like when you pick mm. a topic? That's a great question. And um, 
I would say probably the most common one that I get is how do you decide on um, what you're going to take on. So you'll you'll notice this. Uh, a lot of the entries are very much 19th century U.S. history specific, and that's because that's my specialty. Uh, so my every um, historian has a research specialty, a, typically a time period in a region that they specialize in, although some people identify as historian, global historians, so they're interested in connections between places. Uh, but my specialty is 19th century U.S. history, and even more specifically than that, women's history. And I'm also interested in the American West. So Mark Twain was kind of a natural origin for me. And then since then, a lot of the pieces have been 19th century related. Um, it was more freewheeling when it started to like, oh, I just like this. So I'm going to just write about it because I'm really curious about gumbo or I'm really sincerely interested in why the haunted mansion looks the way it does. Uh, and that ended up being a 19th century story too, which was convenient. Uh, and then what happens is I just kind of take an aspect of the park that I think is interesting and also has some sort of historical tie. And then I rely so much on the work of other historians. So I'm not an expert in, the history of U.S. slavery, for example, or the history of U.S. architecture. So what I did for the piece on Greek revival, which is a 19th century architectural movement that explains why the Haunted Mansion looks like a kind of a neoclassical building, uh, is I read the work of other historians who are experts in that. So you'll notice that each library entry has a source list at the bottom where I give credit to the historians who uh, I read in order to understand this. And uh, that's, you know, one thing I'd like people to get out of the website is actually learning a little bit about history and also what historians do. I try to use the Instagram and Twitter platforms to do that, although I'm just so busy, like I can't manage to get a handle on that, but you guys know how that goes. It's just, a, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but I've really focused my energy on the content of the site, but I like the idea of, you know, in a post, you get a sense like, oh, there are historical debates. Like not all historians agree on this topic or have the same insights, even if they're looking at the same sources. And that is so true and captured so well, I think with Walt Disney, you know, the same historians dealing with the same source material, come away with very different visions of who he was as a person. Uh, and, and, and that's just like in microcosm what the challenges of the historian are. You know, we all come with our own biases and perspectives and investments. Uh, so the research process, it, it really just involves picking something that I like uh, and then reading a lot about it as much as I can, doing a little bit of primary research. And you might notice that some of the posts have some newspaper article coverage from the time. So like the Splash Mountain piece on the Brer Critters, um, I got this great quote from a journalist working at the time who wrote about what opening day was like. And then uh, I just rely on the work of other historians, put that together. I would say writing each piece is maybe 20 hours of work. I don't know. I kind of rough estimate that. Uh, and then the source lists at the bottom, but I also revise a lot. I get other people's feedback. It's quite an elaborate behind the scenes process, but, um, in the end it really makes it that much better. It's worth, it's worth investing the time. So what has been your favorite like topic or ride or attraction to research so far? Hmm. 
Let's see. I I would say that the Walt Disney walking tour really pushed me to my limits. And I'm grateful for that because I'm not an expert on 20th century U.S. history. I'm not a Walt Disney expert. And it was really hard for me to reconcile all these competing ideas about him and decide which topics I was going to focus on. But that's what I love about history is that it's so messy and confusing. It's like really frustrating at times. But uh, even so, that probably to me has been my favorite thing. And I'm looking forward to taking on more challenges like that. But in terms of the library, I think just that original Mark Twain piece, because I felt like I was taking a big risk starting this website and I didn't know how it was going to turn out or if people would like it. And then I thought like, I'm just going to try it out. So it's like your firstborn child. I mean, I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's like a special affinity for the first. I'm saying that as, as an oldest child too. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, I do have an older half sister actually. So Jennifer, if you are listening to this, you are special too, but, um, (laughs) yeah, so of course, they're all, all your children are special. All the, all the pieces are special in their own way, but that's what I'd say. Yeah. Well, and I know, and I, this, Catherine, you wrote down this question, so I want you to ask it, but I do want to chime in that history can be messy. And I know that you share in your disclaimer at the bottom that sometimes there are t- touchy subjects that you have to cover. And I know you feel that incredibly hard in public schooling yeah. and the standards <laughs> that you have to adhere to as a social studies teacher. But like, the disclaimer is probably something that a lot of people would miss or, or not pay attention to too much. But why do you think it's important to kind of share that and say that you're not going to shy away from sharing sensitive subjects, that you're going to tackle them head on? And then, like, why is it important to, to cover all those things? Did I answer that to your uh, – did I ask when Did that? you ask – yeah, I liked how you said you weren't going to ask my question and then you asked my question, <laughs> but I guess you did it justice. Good. <laughs> you two are, are a very good team. I like this dynamic you've got going on here. Uh, so, yes, that, that, that disclaimer has been there from the beginning because I was really worried, to be quite honest with you, I was really worried about people trolling me, like people confronting me, like, why would you introduce topics like slavery or colonialism into the Disney vision at all? Uh, but I think that's missing a big part of the story. Um, this is such a great question, Catherine, and I'm really glad you asked it because it has been, again, it's been on my mind from the beginning. I, I say to historians a lot of the time, if I can get someone on the Mark Twain riverboat to just even for a moment think about enslavement, for example, I feel like my job has been done or in another way, I feel like my goal has been met because that the steam, the 19th century steamboat, that would not have been possible without the labor of both enslaved and free black men and women. But you just don't get that sense. And that kind of situation can be applied to a lot of aspects of Disney. And this is academics complain about this a lot, that Disney is sanitizing history, that it's erasing history, that it's not grappling with the complex ideas or themes of history. And you could respond to that and say, like, it doesn't have to, you know, it's a theme park, like, that's not the purpose, (laughs) necessarily. Um, But on the other hand, 
these cultural spaces do influence the way people think about the past. And so if there's a way for historians and for Disney to work together instead of be seen as kind of conflicting enemies, then I think we can actually come out with something beautiful because to this day, I, I have had not one single person say like, I really am offended that you linked the Jungle Cruise to colonialism. I'm really upset that you did that. Because I honestly think people are interested in that. And I think if you treat it in an honest, sincere way, then that's really the mission. And I, the intent of the Enchanted Archives is not to finger wag and say, Disney, you're not doing what you should be doing. I'm happy to do that work myself because I'm a trained historian. It actually is probably better for trained historians to weigh in than for people to kind of slap something together and be like, oh, yeah, there was colonialism in Africa. So, you know, I relied on my really close colleague, Ryan Miner at UC Santa Barbara, who's an expert in Ghanaian history, to write that piece because he knows a lot about African history. So the disclaimer is there because I would hate for someone who maybe a parent would think was not age appropriate, like, getting into the nitty gritty of some of these difficult historical subjects. But I also know young kids learn about these things from, from very early on in their school careers. So it's there, but um, I don't know. It doesn't need to be there. I'm not sure. People don't seem too offended. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it. And it, I mean, like Brennan said, that's something that just stood out to me being a social studies teacher because I mean, I, th I don't know if it's just the time that we live in, but everyone seems to get offended by everything. So I thought that was just like a really nice approach because like you said, you can't just erase history. Like there's a reason that we teach it and there's a reason why it's there, like to learn from it, like what you shouldn't do or, you know, how that affected things and all those good things. But um, I just liked that you included it and I especially liked that you include those tough subjects in everything that you write about because it is like you said fascinating um and i just i don't know why are you looking at me like that no i, I agree that's great no i'm <laughs> that, i that's so refreshing to hear and and i think if if i think academics too too often assume that people who like disney won't like history or are not interested in it and that has not been my experience at all i've found that people are very interested in history what they don't like are boring textbooks and boring lectures. <laughs> so my point is, how can we make ourselves as historians interesting to this population that feels so passionately about Disney and its brands, myself included? And I've had several historians come up to me and say, like, oh, I feel like you've given me as a historian permission to come out of the closet and identify as a Disney lover. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> uh, and I feel bad that people feel like they have to do that. But it's because Disney and historians, they have a really fraught relationship and it's not going to be necessarily very easy to repair. But I think this is one way we can start to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's something that we've mentioned on the show in the past that that's kind of like the evolution of our Disney fandom is that like Disney history is the next kind of part that we're really getting into, you know, and so much, like you said, it's either on one side or the other, like it completely 
paints everything in Walt's childhood as like rainbows and sunshine, or it's like, no, Walt had all of these things that you didn't know about him. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, the truth is somewhere in the middle of there. Um, but presenting all those facts, I, I think, is really great work. So I, I certainly appreciate that for sure. But you wanted to... Yeah, I'll ask my other question. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so... The other thing that I thought was really interesting about your website is that you do mention that it's a resource for teachers and for schools. And, you know, as I sat there thinking about it, I was like, wow, this is awesome to be able to incorporate Disney into, you know, your classroom. So what, you know, what is your, I guess, ideal age or like how would you incorporate this into your classroom? I want to ask you the same question now because I because I like have you on the line now because I've used it at the college level for a couple of things. I taught writing at UCSB for a year and one of their projects is to take one type of writing like an academic journal article for example and translate it into another type of writing that's accessible to a broader audience. And so I use the Enchanted Archives to teach what that act of translation looks like. So I explain to them, look, I read like two, 300 page books on Walt Disney. That's a lot of information. Then I got rid of all the jargon. I got rid of a lot of the historiographical, historiographical debates, like a lot of the contextual stuff. And I really had to trim it down and decide, you know, what do I want my reader to learn about? What do I think is most important? And translated those original texts for a wider audience. So I use it to teach writing. Uh, I also occasionally use it to teach history because it's very convenient that a lot of what's at Disneyland deals with the 19th century, in, in particular, the, the American West. So I have a couple of units on the American West in my women's history class. And I usually start just saying like, has anyone been to Frontierland? What kind of things do you see there? And because I have a, like a Southern and Central California student population, lots of folks have been there at least once. And so they say, oh, well, you see like a mine blow up and you see like cactuses and a shooting range and stuff. And I'm, and, and, and then we talk about just more generally mythologies about the West, which is like it was wild, like cowboys and Indians, stuff like that. And then my main goal is to repopulate those mythologies with women, with, you know, enslaved and free black people, with other people who are the European immigrants, people who are there, Chinese immigrants, people who are there who don't generally like get acknowledged. And I think Disney is kind of a good access point. And, and that's what I would say just for the site more generally is using Disney as an access point to get to these larger themes. But Catherine, I want to know from you, and we should work together on this because I just want to <laughs> add more work to your plate, even though you're super busy. It is um, summer. So that helps. I would, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. I would love to think more about different age levels because you know, I've never taken like a lesson plan curriculum development course. I don't really know how to do much of that, but it could be great to think about how we, you might introduce young kids to social studies topics using Disney. And I know that there are historians who would be happy to write on other topics and get that content. Uh, it could be really fun. That would probably be a dream come true. If I could just <laughs> teach history through Disney all day. 
yeah. I feel like I teach like world history. So oh, we talk cool. about Egypt and China and you know, different places like that. So it makes me think Disney World, I guess. Yes. With like Epcot. So I don't know how much experience you have in in world history, but the good I news would... is there's lots of people who know lots of stuff. There's historians of all ilks. So yeah. we get we can get But that would be that would be so much fun. Just yeah, the, I I, just could... even the idea, like you said, there's a lot of buy-in. Like as soon as you start talking about Disney World, I feel like their you know their ears perk up a little and they're a little more interested. And it's not just a boring textbook lecture, which is always yes. nice <laughs> to not have to do that all day. Yeah, and the way I describe that to my students, a bad lecture. And look, I've given plenty of bad lectures. Like I'm right up in there. The important point is to be reflection to reflect <laughs> on that, but. Um, the point is that's kind of an unsuccessful translation. Like if you're in a classroom and the kids aren't really getting it and they don't understand the points you're trying to make, then it means, in my experience at least, that I'm not translating the material in a way that's accessible or interesting. So Yeah. Or they're not doing their homework. <laughs> and then it's their or they're fault. not paying attention. <laughs> or they're, yeah, always. they're texting. They're on the text, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome. So we there's so many topics that we can discuss here, and we could probably keep you on the line for hours Forever. and hours. But I do want to hit on two more things specifically. One is you do have a couple of blog entries as well, but the one that I want to focus on is the right stuff. So obviously a lot of our listeners are bloggers, or at least they have some sort of writing as kind of the backbone of their brand or their project that they're working on. So can you talk a little bit about the right stuff and introduce it to our listeners and then talk about kind of what was your you know motivation for putting something like that together? Absolutely. So the blog is, I wanted a place where I could just like put together content that wasn't a library entry. Uh, and so the right stuff was a way for me to respond to a lot of queries I got about writing. Um, and this kind of speaks to to something that else that we could talk about if you want, which is like just general advice about developing a Disney project. But I really played to my strengths with this one because I'm a professional historian and I read and write for a living. So this seemed like a natural way to connect with the Disney community and develop content for it. Uh, but the right stuff I developed, it's it's five tips about writing and about the process of writing for bloggers more generally, but I did write it specifically for Disney bloggers. And my, the driving force behind that is like writing is hard. <laughs> and I think people take that for granted. Um, so on the one hand, I want people to feel confident that they can do it because everyone struggles no matter how advanced of a writer you are. I also want people to not feel bad if it doesn't go right, exactly right the way they want it to the first time, because it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of revisions. It takes getting feedback. So I wanted to give people a couple of tips and it's, um, it's just five and I didn't want to do more than that. I probably could have done like 15, uh, but it's just a, a couple of quick tips for people who are interested in writing, but maybe don't know where to start or don't know that much about the process. 
And I would love it if people maybe used a couple of them, used ones that worked for them. You don't have to necessarily follow it like an instruction manual or a recipe. It's really totally up to you. Uh, but those are things also that I kind of wish I would have known early on in my writing career, things that would have been helpful, like have a point, <laughs> like every piece should have a point. So think about your, think about your goals and try to stick to them. And I think I, in the piece, I call it the big idea. And, um, another thing you want to do is revise. So once you've written it, get some space from it think about it. This is why you shouldn't procrastinate. I don't take my own advice always, but, um, take some space from it and then you might come to it with a new perspective or with a fresh insight and uh, just keep trying. It's, uh, not easy, but I figured maybe people could, it's something that I like to just tell people, Oh, if you have a question about writing, definitely check this out because I was getting a lot of DMS about it. So I thought like, Oh, put something together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's a wonderful resource and something that you can reference. You know, if you're stuck or if you have this idea but you're not exactly sure how to start, I think it's a it's a wonderful place. I mean, blogging is something that has eluded us for forever. <laughs> forever. We always say, Oh, we're gonna start a blog, like, you know, we're gonna use our website and, and put a blog up and it's like it's scary. It's like a daunting task. Like you said, I mean, you sit down and you don't know where to start, but you have this idea. And then just the thought of someone reading it and like critiquing it <laughs> is very intimidating. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have literally cried tears after getting feedback on my writing. So I just, I like to be a very transparent person. That's very important to me as part of this Enchanted Archives project. So I'm just letting you guys know it's, it's, it feels like a part of you, your writing. It feels like an extension of who you are. So it's really hard not to take things personally. But one thing that I always recommend when you're sitting down in your chair and you're feeling daunted, and this is in the piece, break it up into smaller pieces. Like don't, I don't sit down every day thinking, oh, I'm writing my dissertation today, which is like a first draft of a book that is, makes me very overwhelmed and sweaty just thinking about it right now. So instead, it's like, oh, I have to read this book and integrate it into this chapter. Or, oh, I have to read these primary sources. Oh, I, I want to write these three paragraphs today. So that applies to something even as as small as a blog post. And I want you to know I really loved what I read on your blog, especially your piece about dogs because I love dogs. <laughs> and your corgi is so cute. Well, thank you. He's like you were saying, first child earlier. He, yes, he has a little special place in our heart for being oh. our first baby. Yeah, cute. And well, we have a second one now, but she's black, and it's so hard to take pictures of her. She's not as photogenic as Louis is. Yeah, but I I completely agree with with breaking it into little pieces because that's like that's what we sit down and we say. All right, we're gonna knock out two blog posts per week, and it's <laughs> like <laughs> so. Then it's Thursday, and you're like. Well, oh, guess did we you lost. Start? Guess, no, did guess you we, start? <laughs> yeah, we lost this week again. Those blog, yeah. those blog posts that we do have on our website are very old. Very old. They yeah. were actually adopted from an old website that we used to have. That oh, as I think now the domain has expired. So yeah, I don't even remember what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is that a Disney blog? It was. Yeah, it was oh, our first fun. crack at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, so <laughs> I, I hope it's not out there still. Somebody's going to search and find it. 
I you literally can't to... even tell you what it was called anymore. Well, so I do remember it, but I'm not going to share it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> intrigue. I love it. Yeah, it's great. So last thing, probably the thing that I'm most excited about. So you have your walking tour right now that is in a print version, mobile friendly. I read through a couple of them, but to be completely honest, like I need to be there. I, I didn't want to spoil it for myself. I just felt like there was something so important about being in the physical main street of Disneyland and walking through all the places. But a project that at the time that we're recording this, it's about to be released. But at the time that our listeners are hearing this, it is out there for them to enjoy is the audio version of the walking tour. So can you talk through with our listeners a little bit about what that project is all about and what they can expect out of it? Totally. So one thing I want people to know, I guess I have like a lot of things I want people to know. How long have we been talking for a while? I think I've been just talking for a really long time. I want people to know that I didn't get it right the first time. I also don't think I necessarily have it right now in terms of how to best deliver this information. So what I mean by that is the library entries are great for a certain type of context. Like if you're waiting in line for the Haunted Mansion and it's like a 40 minute wait, you might pull up the library and go to the piece about Greek revival and learn a little bit about what you're looking at. That's great. But I got some feedback from folks who thought like a walking tour would be really great because you can take walking tours at Disney, but they're very expensive. I've never done one, which is really surprising because that's, that would like be so solidly my jam, but I just haven't done it yet. So I designed the Walt Disney A Life in Color walking tour using Adobe Spark, which is a great resource. And um, each entry is pretty long because, as you might have guessed, historians, this is just a rampant problem with historians. We just, like, never stop talking or writing. We just keep going and going and going. So... I had some folks suggest, well, why don't you do an audio version? Because if people don't necessarily want to stand and read, you could even just like be waiting in a line somewhere else in the park and just have your headphones in and listen to the piece. And it's funny because like I listen to so many podcasts, so many, including your guys's, because I, I'm a runner. So I do that in the mornings, listen to a podcast, go on my runs. It's really fun. I like that. Otherwise, it would be really boring because I actually – hate running. I think it's very boring on its own. Um, and so to me, it seemed like a natural way to the, deliver the information. And apparently in some of the walking tours that you actually can go on the official ones, they do have like a headset component, uh, where they play music and have recordings, of Walt Disney and some other fun things like that. And so I was initially reluctant cause I'm like, I don't know how to do that, like record myself or uh, do sound editing. But this whole project has been a journey of self-discovery and like taking on new things that I've never done before. And that's something I would encourage people to do because it's been so enriching and rewarding. But yeah, I'm the, the audio version of the walking tour. It's based on the um, written version it's pretty much the same, and so it's the same 10 stops, and I think the longest one is 12 minutes long, but you'll be able to access it on enchantedarchives.com slash walking tours by the time this comes out, and let me know what you think. 
I want your feedback because I'm interested in doing more content like this and would love some feedback. I mean, if you, if you really hate it, like just be nice about it though. (laughs) Just be like, it's not great. That is better than like, please (laughs) never do anything like this again. So just, just like think about your delivery. That's all. Just, just, just think about your delivery. (laughs) Yes. That is uh, words to live by. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right there. Well, I mean, I think it's settled that Catherine, we have to book a trip to Disneyland. I mean, we've got to give our feedback. It's it's required of us now. (laughs) So that is the plan. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I think I first learned about it in one of your Instagram stories or something mm. that, of, of that was something that you're working on. And I pieced it together and read some of the, the written version and realized what it was going to be. And I am so pumped. I mean, because it is so accessible in an audio version, because that that would probably be the, the method that we would choose. I get bored read, reading. So yes. <laughs> um, Catherine's the reader out of the two of us. So, I mean, I think it's it's so exciting. So Well, and like you said, like tours that you pay for, for, I mean, we've never even looked into it because they're probably crazy expensive. But this especially is like a history point of view, to me at least, and Brendan. I mean, that's fascinating. And I feel like there's probably a lot of other people out there that feel that way. So just to have something new to do at the parks, you know, we're always looking for something new to do. Since we, I mean, not that we go to Disneyland that often, but that would be just amazing to have something new to do. Well, and it's like a lot of people like us that Walt Disney World is our home park. Mm -hmm. The people who make the trip to Disneyland, I mean, we call it our pilgrimage. And like so many people (laughs) say that because they want to be where Walt was. And they want the history. And they want the history. So, I mean, I think it it ties in nicely. It, It wouldn't. I mean, I don't know if you have plans to do one in Walt Disney World, but obviously it would be in a much different connotation. But in Disneyland, it's like, hey, Walt stood right here and you can hear about it. (laughs) Yeah, I won't promise anything, but I will say that it is in the works. So just have to find the time. We got the scoop, Catherine. Yeah, Yeah, this is the hot scoop (laughs) directly from me, Sasha, unofficial Disney historian. <laughs> well, that's odd. And I think it's unique, too. I mean, we've never talked to or heard of anyone else doing this. So I think that's just so much fun, too. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great to hear about other Disney creators. And look, I'm not like a very good T-shirt designer or an artist or, or anything like that. And and I, But I admire those people so much. And I think like my mission as a historian, but also just as a citizen of, of the earth. Like I want to, I just want people to feel connected to the things that they love. And I want to just enrich that experience. So if you're in, in, I am really passionate about enriching people's Disney experience. So if you're an annual pass holder and are looking for something new to do, I think the Walt Disney walking tour is going to be just right we have a certain idea about Walt Disney and I really wanted to add some texture to that mythology and give people a sense of who he was as a man with a family and friends, but also enemies and also his own personal failings, which he was a person. Everybody has those. And I really wanted to just enrich people's 
understanding of him because we get the mythology of the small town boy who came and made it big. Uh, but there's more to the story than that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So we are so excited to check that out. And I know we have quite a few Disneyland people that can access that right now. Yes. Head to Main and we're Street. jealous of those people. We are very <laughs> jealous of those people. <laughs> and one last thing before we head into the fast pass round. And, you know, it can be as brief or as thorough as you'd like. You did say that you had some tips on if somebody wanted to start a Disney project or how to approach that. If you had any thoughts around that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is something I m- mentioned briefly. It's okay to fail uh, because everybody does it. Even if they say they don't, they definitely do. They're lying. Um, it's good to go in new directions. If something doesn't work, just keep trying. Um, it's also okay to quit and and just try something new. I mean, the big point I'm trying to make here is be flexible when you're developing your project, try to experiment, ask for advice from people who you admire. Don't necessarily reinvent the wheel. There are a lot of content producers out there. Some of them will talk to you. Some of them won't, but, uh, you can try to get information from them. If you want to learn more about writing or making t-shirts or whatever, uh, because nobody does it perfectly the first time. So, yeah. That yes, and be advice. <laughs> totally. You guys understand how this goes and be kind to yourself when yeah. things don't go exactly right. Yeah. I heard something on another podcast today and it rang so true. They said like when you're feeling defeated or small, zoom out and zoom out and zoom out. And then you realize that you're just a and not in a bad way, but you're just a tiny little speck and nobody cares how many website hits you got or how many podcast downloads you got. You're just one tiny speck and you're just doing what you can to make a difference that nobody else is worried about it besides you. That is so true. That makes me feel better all the time. When I'm like, I'm never going to finish this PhD. And then I'm like, I'm just a speck. No big deal. (laughs) We're good. We're good. (laughs) Well, awesome. This has been such a fun discussion at the beginning of this, Sasha. We're going to take a quick break and then be back for our Fast Pass round after a word from our partners. As our October trip to Walt Disney World gets a little bit closer, we are relieved to already have something important checked off of our to-do list. Instead of taking our niece's stroller from home, through the airport, and then onto the Magical Express, and eventually to the room, we simply reserved our stroller with Kingdom Strollers. It'll be waiting for us at Bell Services when we get to the Polynesian, and nothing could be easier or less of a hassle. So, to reserve your stroller and check something off your to-do list, head over to detourdeneverland.com forward slash kingdom or hit the link in our show notes. Good deal. So, we are back and we're going to throw out these Disney topics and you just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. So, the first one's an easy one. Just name the Disney parks that you visited. Okay. I've been to Disney World. Disneyland, DCA, and also Hong Kong Disneyland. But um, my all-time favorite is Disneyland, just as my, quote, home park. Uh, and that's, I think, I think it's the best one. Even though I haven't been to all, I'm just going to really die on that hill. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the best one. Yeah. So next would be your Disney bucket list trip. Ooh, I really want to go to Paris because there was so much controversy about building it there and also about the alcohol. 
um, because of concerns about what that would look like. And so I'm really into that as like a researcher more than as someone who really likes Disney. But I think that would be really cool. That's definitely at the top of our list, too. It's not at the top. Well, that's that's somewhere we really want to go. It's mo- it's the most accessible, I would say. Okay, well, we want to go there too. <laughs> sure, let's let's put it on the books, you guys. Let's yes. go. Let's do it. So the next one would be your favorite Disney resort, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. I would say the Grand Californian Hotel and Spa, which. It costs like hundreds and hundreds of dollars a night to stay there. Um, I have before, and I really liked being able to go onto the Rapids Ride and then like run back to my hotel and change my clothes. Um, But also, the Grand Californian during the holidays is really beautiful. It's warm and cozy in there. You feel like you're just in this giant cabin Mm -hmm. with. Uh, a huge tree and gingerbread so that would be amazing yeah we were there for halloween time and it was oh it was that way but we then, just walked through it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's cool as we walked back to paradise pier sadly oh <laughs> uh, rest in peace <laughs> <laughs> so next would be if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life which one would it be indiana jones hands down hmm I feel like a a historian has to like Indiana Jones. Is that fair? I absolutely. (laughs) We we actually all the historians met together, and we had a big conference, and we were like, we all like this. Everybody likes it. So (laughs) that let it be known. Even the Crystal Skull, or no, you don't like Aliens. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. Yes, that's really horrible. (laughs) I really hate that movie so much. (laughs) I was just at a like a vacation rental house in Reno. And the only Indiana Jones movie they had was Crystal Skull. I was like deeply suspicious. Like, we need to get out of here. These people are maniacs. <laughs> Maybe they're just big Shia LaBeouf fans. Who knows? Oh, my gosh. No excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so sticking with rides, which ride do you think is due for either an exit or a furbishment from the park? I'm very passionate just in general. But about this in particular, I do not like how Soarin' Over California is now Soarin' Over the World. I'm just very confused by that because now in California Adventure, the theming makes no sense, like going into the ride. Uh, I understand why Disney might have made those choices, but I was really sad and I really liked (laughs) all the um, images you got of California and how uh, it really celebrated the diversity of the state now sort of the world is great too i just if i had to pick one thing i would say to go back to soaring over california which i think it is now currently at dca but i won't get to see it and so because it doesn't benefit me then i'm still upset about it (laughs) (laughs) fair very fair so next one would be your favorite snack or a go-to snack Mm, I am a salty snack gal for sure. Also just like a salty person in general. Uh, but I love spicy pickles. Those are the best. And also a pretzel with lots of mustard. It's really good. <laughs> you are okay. not speaking our language. <laughs> well, you guys the, like with the, the mustard. Yeah, the mustard. We like the what people call like the fake cheese. The plastic cheese. The plastic is what cheese, they call that's it. what they call oh, it. Yeah, I hate it when they say too. that. 
but I like the fake cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's tasty too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so sticking with food, what is your favorite table service and your favorite quick service restaurants? Does Trader Sam's count as quick service? Yeah. You'd count. Okay. That is my favorite because I like the drinks and the theming and um, I dedicated a whole post to it. I like it so much. And then table service, I like Carthay Circle in DCA because of the historical element to it. I love that it's like the 1930s moment. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sad we missed that one. Yeah, we didn't get to go there. We meant to just even go into the lounge, but we never made we it never in. never did. So next would be, I don't know if you're a character person, but your favorite character meet and greet moment. Uh. During my most recent trip, my husband and my sister and I went to meet Darth Vader, and that was so fun. I loved every second of that because he was like, who's who's the rebel spy here? And both my husband and my sister sold me out big time. And like, <laughs> I don't know how they both... I mean, they're both clearly my enemies. I shouldn't trust them at all. But I found that character meet to be really engaging and fun and also kind of scary. Like all the things I love mm-hmm. all at once. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to meet Kylo for that same reason because I heard he is Ooh, like, yeah. super really intimidating. Yeah. That's the best part about meeting the villains is that they are a little scary and intimidating. So yeah. it's like a different... It's a fun twist on meeting characters. Oh, yeah. Cruella de Vil was like roasting people down yeah. Main Street. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's funny. Luckily, not us. Not us. We stood at a distance, so it wouldn't be us. <laughs> you weren't harmed by the roasting. You weren't no. burned. That's yeah. good. No. <laughs> so the next one, speaking of like Disney favorites, what is your favorite Disney movie? Ooh, Princess and the Frog, for sure. I love that one. And the reason is because, well, you didn't ask, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> because it has such an evocative sense of place. Like, you get the sense of 1920s New Orleans so much in that movie. Like, a lot of the princess movies, like, in a, at a castle, in the before time, in medieval times. But that one, Princess and the Frog, is very much, like, a specific historical moment. And I think they clearly did their research. I mean, Cars is similar where you get that, like, you know, mid to late 20th century, end of the Route 66 era kind of thing. And I just appreciate that kind of thing. But I think Princess and the Frog has great characters, great music, and a great just general message. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Next would be your favorite Disney song. Ooh, I would say probably Evangeline from Princess and the Frog because it just delights me that Ray the Firefly is in love with a star. <laughs> uh, I think that all love is a slightly delusional and they just kind of take that to the extreme. Like Ray thinks that the star loves him back. He's in a relationship with the star. So it just is kind of a nice sentiment. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um so the next one is your favorite Disney quote. Ooh. Okay. I use this one a lot. I'm going to – I actually have it here because I didn't want to butcher it. So the quote is – and you'll recognize it for sure. Uh, Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America with the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. 
And that's from Walt Disney's dedication speech at Disneyland on opening day in July 1955. And that quote speaks so much to what I'm trying to do with Enchanted Archives is like get at what he really means by that. So he says that Disneyland was dedicated to the hard facts that have created America. And that has always stood out to me like which which facts? And, and, and I think EA tries to unpack – the history that explains what you see at the Disney parks. So I like that one. Yeah, that is a good one. I've never, the hard facts has never stood out to me before, yeah. but now I'm so curious. Yeah. Cause I think most Disney people stick with like the inspiration and, you know, like the fluffy right. stuff. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's an interesting perspective. And he was a very intentional man. So I, I would imagine that he chose that <laughs> specifically. Intentionally, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I mean, this was like in front of lots of cameras. So yeah. they definitely said it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so last one of the fast pass round would be your favorite Disney parks memory. <sighs> that is so hard. You guys, that is a really tough one. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Ooh, okay. intrigue. Um, <laughs> so I guess. This what this question made me think of is something that could be cool to do as like another aspect of Enchanted Archives. And I'm just like running this by you guys to see what you think. But one thing that would be great is to actually have a database of this. So ask people like, what do you remember about going to Disney? What were your favorite things about it? And start collecting those memories because otherwise and, you know, as generations start to pass by, we won't have access to that generation that, like, went to opening day, for example. So it would be great to find a way to preserve these memories, basically ask people these questions, but, like, use Google Docs or something or have people submit um, voice recordings or even, like, do oral histories with people. Because I just think historians and future generations could benefit so much from people who have been here at certain times like oh galaxy's edge just opened at disneyland like it would be great to record people's experiences about what it was like and not just like you know i don't want people's instagram captions as a historical source like it would be great to have a really diligent conversation with someone about what they saw and heard and what they liked and what they think the overall meaning of of these moments is for them so that could be that could be cool but that's just something i'm noodling on so mm. That is yeah. really cool. I would be so interested in hearing, like you said, you know, like people who were there on opening day. Like, what was yeah. that like? What did you see? Who was there? And then being able to see how, like, the parks have obviously progressed since then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has stayed the same. Yeah. I can say, like, it's interesting that you mentioned that because a question we get asked often is, do you have a matrix or some spreadsheet of everybody's fast pass answers that i can like go and when i'm planning to go to all their favorite table service restaurants or quick service restaurants it's something we haven't done i keep saying i'm gonna do it eventually but it's sort of quasi along that same lines but yeah. the other thing it made me think of is like my mom always tells me about when she went to walt disney world as a young girl that like they were handing out sick bags to get on peter pan because it oh. was such like a weird feeling mm -hmm. to like be flying you know and you know they felt like they're at this such great height because they're looking down at london 
And it's like, I've never heard anybody else say that. So, like, is it my mom crazy? Or is it just that, like, nobody else was there, there during that same time period that I've ever talked to? So, those kind of things I would be so interested in. Yeah. And those are such treasures. I love that. But, like, we we kind of think we know what Disneyland means or Disney just writ large, but it means such different things to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I would just love to learn more about that and, and what people's associations are with the brand and when they started. And that's one of my favorite parts of your guys' episodes, obviously, because I'm just like taking it all in, almost taking notes if I could, but I'm running. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is uh we would support that project. Yeah. If you ever okay. That'd undergo be awesome. that, if there's any way we can help, let us know. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll be my first participants, obviously. Mm. I'll test it out on you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So our very last question for you, Sasha, is if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a content creator or maybe they want to open up their own shop, whatever it might be, what would be your guidance to that person? My guidance is do your research. Go out there, see what already exists, understand what kinds of goals you have. I mean, it would just be unfortunate to produce something that's already out there. So before I started Enchanted Archives, I looked around to see if there was something similar, if anyone was doing anything like it. And that comes from my background as a historian. Any project begins first with surveying what's already out there. So like, has this history been written? Um, What might there be that's new to say about it? And so that I think goes for any starting line for a project is find out what's already out there and think about how you can offer something new. That is good advice. We've never heard that before. No. And it makes me think about like forever. The thing that I would Google is how do I make a career out of Disney? Or like, how do I, (laughs) you know, start something that's related to Disney? And that's how like the, my idea for the podcast was formed. So I, I think that, that's a natural transition that like if you're looking for something and it's not out there, if you're the right person to start it, then that is a great first step to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I love that. Well, awesome. Well, Sasha, this has been such a fun interview. We've had an absolute blast. We could have talked for so much longer, but one last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at her history land and you can also send me a message through enchantedarchives.com. There's a little contact me tab there. And my email is historian at enchantedarchives.com. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We've really had a blast chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, did, did you stop recording? Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.